0: All right, welcome to Steeler Country. I am Tony Serino. Today we are doing our 53-man roster prediction. Yesterday the Steelers had their final preseason game, uh, and so it is time. Uh, if you're listening to this live, I think we're like 24 hours away from the Steelers making their final cuts down to 53, which is it's going to be it's going to be a weird year for for cuts, as we'll talk about because so many of these guys are potentially injured and going to have to go to short-term IR, and of course. In order to do that, you got to cut someone, and then put the guy in R, and then sign the guy back. So, going to be a lot of roster maneuvering for Omar this year. It's good we got a first year GM. Give him a give him a tough one this year, uh, and so that's certainly going to be the case. But yeah, as we're doing today on the show, thank you all for for watching and listening. If you're not subscribed, subscribe wherever you're listening this to li- listening to this, whether it's YouTube or whatever audio uh, podcast service you use. Uh, if you like to watch this video live, or you are watching live, make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and if you have any questions, leave them in chat, uh, and we will get to that at the end of today's show. But let's get right to it. We're doing a 53-man roster prediction, and so let's let me show you my 53-man roster. Here it is. Oh, maybe I should. I'll just make it full screen for you. Um, this is the 53 that I have. We'll go over it, position by position. By the way, if you're listening to this in audio and you think, "Hey, I can't, I can't see that," you're right. We'll get to it. We're going to go position by position through this. This is what I think the the 53 will end up as. Um, but again, as I said, it's it's going to go through a bit of a you know, it's going to go through a couple of machinations, I'm I'm sure, as this team cuts the cuts all the players, then puts the guys on IR, then comes back um, and signs some of these guys back, or potentially start taking some guys off of other teams. So uh, that's the 53 right there. But. Go through position by position. Let you know what I thought about the the game against the Lions and who I think is making it at each spot. We'll start with the quarterbacks, where there's not a debate as to who's going to make this roster. There's really only a debate for there's two debates going on at quarterback. One, who should start, which we'll we'll talk about, and two, should they trade Mason Rudolph, which you we'll also have to get to today. Um, Starting with the quarterback thing. Look, I'm gonna, I'm going to kind of stay out of the whole who's QB one debate because I think at the end of the day. If you were, if you came into this situation and you said, Kenny's, Kenny's QB1, Kenny's QB1, and he's going to prove it on Sa- on Sunday. I think you left the game and you said, yeah, Kenny's still QB1 for me, right? I don't think any, I don't think Kenny did anything in that game to make you believe that he's not still QB1. And the same can be said. If you went into that game and you said, no, no, they got to sit Kenny and start Mitch early on. I think you came out of that game once. See, yeah, Mitch. That's why you got to start Mitch early on this season. And I think, you know, just realistically, right. Talking about what I think Tomlin's going to do. I think, you know, Tomlin came into that game, likely leaning towards Mitch Trubisky. And as I said, yeah, he didn't do anything to, to, to disprove that he should be QB one. And even when you consider how Tomlin kind of does these QB battles or sorry, sorry, how he does does roster battles, especially with, with entrenched guys like um, like Mitch is with a, with his veteran presence, you know, the fact he's been in the league for six years. I thought this had to be like a, a winner by knockout situation. I thought Kenny had to go in there, not just play well and say, hey, I can do this. I thought he really had to go in there and, and deliver a knockout blow. He was good. I don't know that it was knockout good. And certainly, you know, Trubisky did enough that I think he's going to keep the job overall. But but regardless of that, right, regardless of who should be QB1 and all that debate, because it is, boy, oh, boy, I mean, it is a real debate now all of a sudden. I You know, both sides are kind of entrenched in and everybody just kind of, you know, it's a battle. It's a battle out there on Twitter. I've, I've I've listened to all the podcasts today. I've I've read all the fifty-three man rosters, and I've certainly read Twitter and, and the the Kenny the Kenny side is very vocal. The Mitch side is very vocal. I'll put it. I'll kind of take more of a ten thousand foot view of the situation and say this. I think the quarterback battle could not have been better for the Steelers. I think this is a perfect result for them at the end of the day, given that you're not. We're not coming away from this situation thinking, oh boy. Mitch is a disaster. Oh, and you definitely can't start Kenny because, you know, he's way too early to put him on the field. And then Mason Rudolph, you just, you know, cut him, right? I mean, no one's saying any of those things. At the end of the day, the people that have arguments for why Mitch Trubisky should be QB1 are legitimate arguments about why this team with a veteran quarterback could potentially surprise some people in the AFC and AFC North. And people who are arguing that Kenny should start because, Hey, it's close enough. And you might as well start the kid because this kid looks like he's you know, he, his ceiling is not as low as everybody thought it was going to be great points. You know, And even with the Mason stuff, I mean, Mason Rudolph, at the end of the day, Mason Rudolph's QB three on this team, but he had the best camp he's ever had. And he's getting, and they're getting trade calls for this guy. I mean, again, at the end of the day, the QB battle is between three legitimate candidates. And it's, it didn't just end up being this, like someone won by default, or, you know, they just had to pick the, the, the best bad option. No, I mean, At the end of the day, Mitch Trubisky had a very good preseason. The worry for me coming in with Mitch was in those kind of money situations when when it was you know on the line a little bit. Maybe we haven't seen him in that entirely, but I thought the two minute drive was a good spot here because that that team had entirely struggled, and he you know was in a QB battle. He came out there and threw some of his best passes. And and what I was worried about was that Mitch was going to turn into can't read a defense, throwing stupid passes, turnover worthy plays, interceptions, that kind of thing. Mitch Mitch didn't throw. I mean, did did Mitch even have a turnover where they play all preseason? don't believe he did. Nor did Kenny. And and Mason, yeah, I mean, Mason did have, he certainly had the one, certainly had the one against Seattle, where the guy hit the guy right in the chest. Although I would kind of put that more on Connor for stopping the route, but regardless, it happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, this is a really good situation. I think Kenny pushed Mitch this week, which I liked. You know, even though I still don't think there was ever really a quarterback battle, I think Mitch kind of got it in his head a little bit. You could see that during some of the, the press conferences and, and interviews he was doing in the locker room after practice. It seemed like Mitch started to feel like, hey, wait a minute. If I do go out there and have a bad game and Kenny does that again, I actually might get benched week one. It's over, I mean, I think, And I think everybody kind of knows this. Certainly Mitch knows this. Once Kenny comes in, it's very likely not going back. And so did, did Mitch just sign himself up for a situation where he's never going to start a game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, that's kind of what was on the line for him going into this game. And I thought he responded pretty well to that. I mean, you know, going over, I know he started really slow in this game. I don't know that I put that all on Mitch, though. I don't think I, I know, you know, again, the Kenny side's gonna use the first two quarters of this game against Mitch, say, oh, the offense was so slow, just like last year, you know, we can't have this it looked a lot it looked really slow and looked a lot like last year not because of mitch trubisky but because of you know the offensive line i mean you know we'll get to the offensive line but so much of the first half of this game was was once again mitch trubisky under duress the running game going absolutely nowhere negative plays in the running game which is setting back you're you're setting themselves back on third or second and third down holding calls illegal formation i mean just Ridiculousness left and right on that offensive line, which really set back Mitch on on a ton of those drives. And, and at the end of the day, look, if the biggest criticism of Mitch Trubisky is that he can't convert on third and fifteen or third and twenty, like, yeah, I mean, we know that about Mitch. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm under no illusion that Mitch Trubisky is going to come in and be anything close to a top ten or elite quarterback. You know, at, in those situations, like Canada and Tomlin are just going to tell him to check it down, and we're going to move on to another day. You know, I mean, that's just that's who Mitch is right now. But but. You know, I thought just kind of play by play, breaking it down. I thought Mitch had some really nice throws in the first half that weren't that weren't just the seam pass to Frymouth, which we'll talk about. Um, I thought that obviously the back shoulder to to Pickens uh, earlier in that drive, great throw. Uh, I mean that you know that that was that was a money throw. I also thought the one down the sideline to Pickens where he he tried to one hand it and really should have two handed it, could have brought that down. But that was a nice throw as well. The one that no one talks about which I thought it was a really nice throw. It's under pressure. Trubisky has to kind of lean away and just kind of float one up to Gunner in the back of the end zone. Now, obviously that Gunner lost it in the air and it's not a completed pass. I thought that was a nice heads up veteran style play of, Hey, I'm under duress. This play is, you know, I'm either sacked or this play is done, you know, so let me just toss it up and try to make something happen in the back of the end zone. And he put enough kind of uh, air on it and and put it further in the end zone that it wasn't a situation where the safety is going to come over and make a play. It was really Gunner's coming down with this or it's an incomplete pass. I thought that was a heads-up play by Mitch. Um, You know, some of the negatives for Mitch in this game, you know, the first sack, we talk about the offensive line being bad and all that. The first sack was on Mitch. The first sack was on Mitch, no doubt. He needs, that was a play where he kind of got locked in to that read, and then, you know, just kind of Did he? it was not the way he double-pumped and then got sacked. Um, Regardless, look, the line collapsed on the left side, but he had enough time originally you know, if he had seen if he had read correctly the defense and been able to deliver the football, and even if he couldn't, as I've talked before, Mitch does a really good job and has done a good job throughout the preseason of of escaping in those situations, doing a good job of extending. That's why the Steelers got Mitch. You know, the, the the athleticism, his mobility is as big a bigger reason as why they got him as as his ability as a thrower. So um thought he, you know he's got to be better in those cases. But um obviously, the deep one. To Deontay. I thought it was overthrown live. I mean, when that ball's in the air, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's 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 overthrown. Too bad. Um, and that was a what a what a what a ballsy play by Trubisky there and, and Canada for calling it, you know, because that's a third and two play, and it's not exactly like they had one-on-one down the sideline. You know, that was what Deshaun Elliott, the 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 former Raven coming over, the safety to make the play um on Deontay. Right there. So, you know, it wasn't exactly like they were, you know, they were just in a one on, you know, it was a, it was a one on one. The safety came over as well. I thought Mitch, that was a great, It was a great throw, great catch. And we'll talk about Deontay and his, and his injury and whatnot later. Um, but just overall, you know, you come away impressed. Obviously, the most impressive throw, maybe the most impressive throw anyone made of any quarterback in in on the Steelers all camp and all preseason was the throw to Frymouth down the seam on a rope. You know, he back, I guess you would say back shouldered it, right? Because he had to throw it away from the linebacker, which by the way, I mean, you know, find someone who loves you as much as the Steelers love throwing back shoulders because every throws a back shoulder in Pittsburgh, but um, great throw, great throw down the seam aggressive. Love that about Trubisky that he is that aggressive. And this and again, you know, that kind of aggression without having to worry about, Oh, is Mitch going to do something stupid? And again, we'll see what happens in the regular season. Obviously defenses are going to change. They're going to be a little more disguisey in the, in the regular season. And they're certainly going to be better than what Detroit was putting out there. But regardless, just kind of what the deep, what, what the defense was and what the throw called for, great, great throw for him. And I, th- I thought he showed really good anticipation. I mean, was, you know, it's an easy pitch and catch, but just thought it was nice anticipation on the slant route to Sims for the touchdown. So overall, I came away pretty impressed with Mitch. Then Kenny came in, and it was like, all right, well, let's, you know. I didn't think Kenny could really do anything to win the job. But you never know with Kenny because all he does is go out there and just, you know, complete passes and look unstoppable. But in this one, look, he wasn't he wasn't perfect. You know, he, he threw legitimate incomplete passes in this one. He the first third down, he rolled out, tried to hit Sims in the corner. Maybe a throwaway, maybe, you know, maybe the ball came out of his hand wrong. Um regardless, that you know, that play was kind of a dead play to begin with. Um the one we need to talk about now, and I want to know your thoughts. The Miles Boykin deep ball. Underthrown or back shoulder? Let me know in the comments. Underthrown or back shoulder? Because here's my thought on it. I thought it I, live, my first reading of it was, ooh, that was badly underthrown. They started showing replays, and I was like, oh, you can kind of talk. I think I maybe I could talk myself into, okay, maybe that was a back shoulder throw. Although, the interesting play is if you watch the replay, if it is a back shoulder throw, it, it doesn't need to be because I thought Boykin did a really good job on that play of stacking the defender and, and getting a step on him. To where if Kenny does lead him, I mean that could be a touchdown. Maybe they get his ankles or whatnot, but yeah, he could have been gone on that play. So here's what I love, though. Let's say it was. Let's say it was an underthrown pass. What I love about Kenny Pickett is, okay, so that's probably his worst throw. Badly underthrown pass. If that's an underthrow, great ball. Great ball. Even, even his worst pass, great ball. Great ball. Um, thought we saw some time. You know, we saw I thought we saw a couple of plays in this one where he, as I said last week, I was kind of hopeful that Kenny would make a wrong read in this one. Just not not because I want to see Kenny be bad. I want to see how Kenny would react to that. He's been so good. You know, the thing about Kenny Pickett that I just can't get over is how he it, it, he's like um is it Bill Murray in in, uh, in Groundhog Day? You know where it's just everything. Just, th- there are these coverages that defenses are running, and he just immediately knows it, and it's like boring for him back there. You know the thing about Kenny that I love is those plays when he when he hikes the ball, he's like locked in on his receiver, and he just got the ball, you know, cocked and ready to go. You know, he's like, all right, just okay. This is going to be a this is going to be a slant, and the ro- the linebacker is going to go that way, and then when he clears, I'm putting it right on the receiver's numbers, right. And the same thing was like a back shoulder. To Boykin, he just kind of okay, yep. They're there in man and back shoulder time. The same thing to Cody White on the on the comeback, right? It was just he, he's, everything just is so simple to him. It's so easy. He's just like yep and okay, comeback. Um, love that, love that about Kenny. But I wanted to see what would happen. Okay, what if what if he reads the defense and it's not what he it's not what he wants, and now he's got to kind of go through his progressions and does he do we see him as we saw him at Pitt kind of bail out early and start to immediately run. And he did, you know, you go back to that third down play on the goal line, a couple things about that play. The one we'll talk about the rollout because I thought he did bail from a clean pocket. There probably could have sat in a little bit, but it is his natural. I mean, it is natural. Kenny Pickett to just want to legs. I'm I'm using my legs, using my athleticism. We're going to get out on the run. We're going to buy myself some time, even though you had time. Um, The nice part about that play was as we've seen before, his accuracy on the run is unbelievable. I mean, his accuracy from the pocket, we've seen all, all you know, all camp and all preseason. His ability to throw that the slant route right on the numbers, his ability to throw the back shoulder right on the numbers. I mean, again, you want him to put the ball here, he's putting the ball right there. But I thought that the rollout that he had um, and hitting Gunner. Yeah, obviously, the, the the announcers, like, oh, you know, he could have never made that throw, yada, yada. But, okay, whatever. Whether or not Gunner could have got his feet in bounds, that is exactly where you want to place the football. And that's about to give only your guy a chance to make an athletic play, keep his feet in and score a touchdown, a- arguably his best throw of the day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Kenny, Kenny was good again. You know, as I said, Kenny didn't do anything in this game to make you believe that he wasn't QB one. And what I really did like about him, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I rewound it a couple times. There's a shot after Benny Snell. So they get to the goal line. Canada runs sprint, right? You know, the, the Kenny rollout out, hit Gunner on a a, uh, quick uh, speed out. Okay. So it's like a two or three yard completion, whatever it was. Then they run Benny left side stuffed in the backfield because this offensive line is incapable. Um, Now it's third and 10, but Kenny looks back at the sideline and I'm trying to read his lips. I think he said, and, and if someone else saw it, you know, put it in the comments, I believe he's saying, let me go. He's, he's very, he's clearly upset at the sideline. I think he's saying, hey, let me go. Like, hey, give me some plays that I can score a touchdown on. I'm not scoring a touchdown on sprint right. And I'm not, we're not scoring a touchdown on this Benny Snell going off tackle. Okay. So now you're putting me in this, like, give me a play on here on third and ten. Like, give me some plays that I can actually do something with. I love that. That's what I want to see from my young quarterback, especially in his third preseason game when he's starting to feel it. He's like, all right, listen, I've done this now. Give me some plays that I can go win this job with. Loved that from Kenny. Loved that from Kenny. So um yeah, I mean, again, I, I continue to come away really impressed with, with what I've seen from Kenny Pickett. It is just a matter of time, you know. Again, I, I understand this 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 need, this want from Steeler fans. He has to be QB1 now. Want to see him start again Cincinnati. Let's get him out there. I get that. But let's understand, it's only a matter of time for this kid. And wh- whether that time is, is week three, uh, week four, week eight, week ten, whatever it's going to be. Maybe it's week one of next season. It's only a matter of time with this kid. You know, I, I know we're all antsy to see it, but this was, this was, you know, as I said with the whole quarterback battle, this was kind of the perfect preseason for Kenny Pickett. You could not have asked for more from him. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, okay, some more deep shots down the field or whatnot, but regardless, like this was as, this was as good as I could have imagined from Kenny Pickett throughout. And then as far as we talk about Mason Rudolph, I <laughs> I love I love here it is his chance to to audition for the Detroit for potentially for any job, but Detroit might be in the market because you know David Blow or whatever his name is and 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 Tim Boyle, uh they're not good. So potentially Mesa could win a job, even you know, even on the opposing team. He goes out there and puts up an 0-3 stat line. Now, the 0 3 stat line is is it's you know, it's it's more to do with the receivers he was playing with and that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, the, the lack of attempts. So I thought, I thought two of the three throws were really were good throws. They should have been caught. Um, especially, you know, the one, the, the one down the seam to Sternberger. I love that throw from Mason because that was, if, if that were more Mason, if Mason did that more often, Mason would, yeah I would like Mason Rudolph as a quarterback, I mean, you know, he wouldn't have the check down Mason thing. If he was doing that more often and you've, it felt like in this game, you know, too little too late because there's only one drive. But he kind of came out of his shell a little bit. I was like, all right, I'm going to make some throws in this game that are more NFL throws because I got to go into jobs somewhere because I definitely don't want to be QB3 here. He didn't get enough reps. I think it's interesting that the Steelers are getting calls. You know, that's been the reports all over Twitter today is that – and by the way, I should be checking Twitter because things can happen while I'm – I guess while I'm recording. Um, let's, Yeah, I mean, I assume nothing's happened just yet. If something does happen, leave it in chat. Um, but I think it's interesting that they're getting calls good for Mason. You know, we, we came into this process with Mason Ruff getting booed at home. The first time he took the field and we end preseason with this guy. If the Steelers wanted to, they could trade him today. And the only thing that's going to keep him in Pittsburgh right now is that the compensation likely isn't going to be enough. You know, Omar Khan said on Brian, uh, Brian McFadden's podcast the other day that he doesn't, he doesn't anticipate any changes at quarterback. And I think that's because clearly there, I, I think the the asking price for Mason Rudolph just isn't what the NFL is ready to pay. You know, I think if the Steelers were willing to take a sixth round pick, certainly a seventh round pick, Mason's gone. Gone, gone. There would be teams lining up, I'm sure, to get him for that price. Um, uh, because he could be a quality backup in this league. And I'm sure he's gonna be very frustrated by the idea that the Steelers aren't gonna want to, to, to part with him. Because you know, Mason, I mean, we've heard Mason in, in his interviews already he's not happy he's just not happy with how this has played out he thought he was going to have a legitimate chance at qb1 and it's it's hard for me to really you know it's hard for me to dismiss his anger because there were those first couple of days at camp where it did feel like all right this guy's gotta probably get some qb1 reps just to see if he could do that against the first team and he never did and I think that's why that's probably where the frustration comes from but at the end of the day we're talking about the 53 here today I think Mitch is your starter, Kenny's your backup, and Mason is, is third string. Although I did hear something from Kaboli the other day that I thought was intriguing. I don't know if this would actually happen. I think Steelers fans would lose their mind. He brought up the point of on, you know, they're only gonna they're only gonna suit up. So during the games, they only suit up 46 of the 53 players. You have the inactive list. So probably one of, you know, not probably, definitely one of the quarterbacks either Kenny or Mason, is going on the inactive list on a game-to-game basis. Kaboli brought up the idea that it could be Kenny, not because Kenny's not the backup. Kenny would be the backup in case of a long-term injury. But Kaboli's point was, in a one-game, got-to-have-it pinch, where Trubisky goes down, and you kind of want to keep the same or a similar game plan, will the Steelers feel more comfortable with Mason, given that he's been with this organization now for this is in his fifth year, rather than going to Kenny again in a one game injured during the game pinch obviously if if it's a long term injury okay Kenny's coming in it's Kenny time any sort of injury happens it's Kenny time but could they could they put could they could they inactivate Kenny for game days and then put Mason in as your backup i don't imagine steeler nation would be too pleased about that we'll see anyway Mitch is one, Kenny's two, Mason's three. They all make the roster in my 53. Going over to the running back position. All right, let's talk about injuries for a second, because I thought that was the biggest news coming out. The running backs didn't have a lot of things to do in this game because, well, you know, the offensive line remains not great. But I thought what happened at the end of the the game in the locker room was far more interesting than anything that happened on the field for the running backs. Najee Harris revealed they didn't just have his foot stepped on. No, he had a Liz Frank injury. Uh which is an injury that will keep a player out for a month to a month and a half generally that was interesting that was interesting especially in a game where tj goes down with a knee injury that is it serious i mean it it certainly it didn't look bad but when you see an injury to the knee that doesn't look bad sometimes you, you feel like boy those those are the ones that are the season enders right the knee injuries where you're like, oh, you know, okay, that's like a knee sprain. He's gonna be gone for a couple weeks or whatnot. When it looks like nothing, did no contact or barely any contact. Yeah, you know, then you start worrying about uh is that a season ender? I don't think it's a, it's clearly not a season ender for TJ because we would know that by now. And then of course you have Deontay landing on his shoulder. I got the yeah, you know, we we have this guy on AFC North Talk who tweets this all the time. He's a he's a doctor um who kind of predicts early on kind of what an injury could be. He thought right away, that's an AC joint sprain for, for Deontay. That's that's a multi-week injury, for sure. That was his immediate reaction to me. That's a He's like, that's an AC joint sprain. He's gone for weeks. And then we heard from Tomlin, no, 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 no. These guys could have come back in. I wonder. You know, look, you don't have to report injuries right now. That's why Tomlin lied about Najee. Like, I'm not mad at, I, again, I don't want this to turn into like, oh, Tony's mad at Tomlin for lying. Tomlin can lie about injuries all he wants. He has no, there's nothing that, that is requiring him to tell any reporter anything about the injuries. Right? It's out of the goodness of his heart that he tells us about you know this guy's day to day. We're hoping this guy can come back. There's no way there. You know that doesn't start till the regular season. He did, but he did. You know, so he did. He lied about Najee. I mean, you know, he, he didn't just have his foot stepped on. That was a that was a list Frank that kept him out for all those weeks. Anything serious with Deontay or TJ? Boy, I hope not. Those are two very important players, both offensively and defensively. Uh, but something to keep in mind, right? I mean, I know everybody's kind of – today you just keep hearing this, the same report, which is, oh, Tomlin said they could have come back into the game. Well, Tomlin doesn't have to tell you the truth. Both those guys could have injuries that keep them out week one, and we won't find that out until we start until we start practicing uh, a week from now when they start having have to do in the practice reports. Just something to keep in mind. Something to keep in mind. Now, going to the running back situation – in general, I'll put the screen back up again uh, for the 53 so you can see it. Um yeah, I, I, I have Anthony McFarlane getting cut. So I have it Najee, Benny Snell, Jalen Warren makes the roster, and then and then Derek Watt as a running back, slash fullback, slash really a special teamer. Um, I think they keep four, and I think they cut Anthony McFarlane. Um McFarlane's had a a a good camp and a decent preseason. I thought obviously game one in preseason was his best. All these running backs – obviously, every running back is, is highly dependent on their offensive line to make things happen. But I thought McFarland, maybe most of all, was, was dependent on the offensive line. And that's what kind of made me you know, feel more comfortable today than I would have been weeks ago in cutting McFarland. Warren, for me, is, is, is running back, too. I think Jalen Warren has done far more than enough to prove to me that this kid can absolutely be running back, too. You can trust him in a ton of different situations. He had that great run to the outside, showed a little juice to, to beat the defender to the edge. I mean, the problem for the running backs in this game so often was that you know they the, the offensive line just did not get a hat on a hat. And you had, you had kind of free rushers through the hole so often. And, and so they're kind of chasing these runners down in the in the backfield. You saw Najee having to break two or three tackles on the backfield on the on the, the nice run he had. But Warren on that play is kind of outrunning defenders to the sideline to cut up field, to get whatever that was, you know, the four or five yard gain or whatever he ended up getting on that play. But Warren, that did a really nice job blocking downfield. Um, I, again, I think he's the kind of player that you can trust in all situations, which is exactly what you want from your, from your RB2. Um, and, and, you know, quite honestly, I mean, I think he showed enough throughout this entire process that I might even feel, I mean, obviously you're never going to feel comfortable if Najee goes down for any period of time. But certainly, you feel mo- most confident of any of these guys in Jalen Warren as being someone who can step in and provide decent minutes in a situation where they're, you know, Najee's going to miss a game here or there. Um, so I think Warren's almost a roster lock for me. Snell makes it like he did a nice job running in this game. I thought you know he had to make some guys miss in the hole at times because you know when, who doesn't with this offensive line. Um, converted a nice couple third downs there. But he's not making the roster because of one game that he did here. You know, he's not making the roster because yeah, he had a nice game here. He's making the roster because he's still a core special teamer. At the end of the day, he provides enough at running back and and certainly enough at, at um on special teams that he makes it. And then of course Watt makes it because of the special team ability. We'll go over to wide receiver. Obviously, the Deontay injury is gonna look the, the problem for the Steelers right now at, at wide receiver is Claypool's hurt again. I guess he had a shoulder injury. Kaboli said on McAbee he had a shoulder injury. He re-injured it, and we're not exactly sure what this injury is, if it's another re-injury of that shoulder. Regardless of what it is, it's not a good thing that you know the Steelers right now essentially have their top two wide receivers hurt. Now, we don't know how, how hurt Deontay is. Hopefully it is as minor as Tomlin said. Because one injury to this team at wide receiver, they'll be okay. You know, if it's, if it's just Claypool, as we saw yesterday, that's fine. They'll go Pickens and Deontay on the outside and Gunner on the inside. And they could even work Steven Sims in those situations. Steven's been a quality player, Uh, but you start to go again. Once we start talking about two of those top three guys going down and we can talk about how, you know, Miles Boykin's been a surprise here. They're not exactly, you know, they have some nice pieces at the, at the, the back end of this roster that can fit, but you don't, this team can't afford to be down too many of those too many of those those starting guys. Is there you know, you start talking about a wide receiver core that's like George Pickens, Miles Boykin, Gunnar Olszewski. Yeah, that's not exactly striking fear in the heart of defenses anymore. Not even close. And obviously, yes, if you you know, any any team could say the same thing, but um, you know, for even how deep this wide receiver room is, concerning to me right now that it's both Claypool down and uh Deontay. I thought again, I'm not a huge Claypool guy, but I thought Claypool. Has done a very good job out of the slot throughout the preseason. I love how many kind of you know, they're running slot fades basically every play. Every, you know, oh, was it? uh They were in a slot fade to Tyler Sneed in this one, right? And and Kenny threw it up there. Kenny threw a couple nice incomplete passes in this game. I think I think Kenny might have thrown more nice incomplete passes than he did completed passes. Let's be honest. The one to Tyler Vaughn's down the sideline, great play. Uh, the the slot fade to Tyler Sneed, great throw. Although that one, I I worried that he floated that one too much. If a better safety might have come over and, and made a play there, he's got to watch out for that one. Right, you know, you're facing like the backups against Detroit. That's one thing. You start facing some of the more rangy safeties in the league. You can't you can't kind of float him out there like that. But yeah, we'll see what happens when he gets in. Regardless, uh, we go back to the we go back to the spreadsheet. Uh, wide receiver here. I have Deontay Claypool, Pickens, Gunner Boykin, and Sims. I do not have Calvin Austin on this roster because I believe Calvin's going IR. This point sounds like he will not be ready for week one. And so Calvin's likely gonna have to spend the early parts of the season on the injured reserve list, which will again mean he's gonna make the 53, the initial 53. Then they're gonna put him on R, and then they're gonna bring someone back. Now, that means you're probably gonna have to cut one of Boykin or Sims. My guess would be Sims. It's it's a hard choice because you cut Sims and you worry about someone bring him on who feels like, you know, everything he's shown as a return guy in the in the preseason you know they may just bring him in for that you know he's a good enough receiver and he provides some juice as, as a returner maybe they bring him in for that you know again this, someone has to bring him into the 53 we're talking about not in the practice squad and then with boykin it's a, it's the size speed stuff and the fact that he's looked decent throughout the this preseason process that you worry about someone bringing him in It'd be tough to see which one of those two they end up they end up cutting or maybe they keep seven and they cut somewhere else we'll see uh, but regardless, I think the six that make the roster initially are Deontay, Claypool, Pickens, Gunner, Boykin, and Sims. Obviously, Austin will go to IR. We'll skip tight end because that's boring. The The tight end room has been known for weeks, a month even. It's Friarmouth, Gentry, Hayward. They already cut Jay Sternberger before we even started recording today. So, um, yeah, that's an obvious one. Now we go to the offensive line. Well, we want to. Well, let's. We need to talk about the offensive line before we start talking about the actual fifty-three guys, because fifty-three offensive linemen not, might not be enough in this team, to be quite honest with you. Uh, yeah. So the offensive line was bad again, but not really. Dan Moore was really bad again. You know, it was interesting. An initial watch. I'm ready to just kind of you know, freeze me in carbonite and. Wake me up a year from now when they got this thing figured out because I can't stand to watch this thing on a week to week basis. Right. That was my thought initially in this game. But going back and re-watching it and actually charting it on a play-to-play basis, I have to say it was really only the left side of the line that was bad. The right side of the line, I thought not only were they okay, they were actually good. And specifically and most importantly, James Daniels had a very, very good game. Thought he was is a run blocker. I thought he was good. They got him out in space a little bit on that screen pass. He did a good job. He did a great job of getting to the second level at times. That was huge, huge in this in this game because he's the one player that they brought in this offseason that I think everybody kind of felt like, all right, well, at least that'll be a stabilizing force. And even, you know, you could almost argue that the whole right side would at least be more stable because we know what we're going to get out of Chukes. You know, Chukes is a plus pass protector. And probably a net negative in the running game. We kind of know that about him. And so they add someone solid next to him, at least from the right side, kind of know, you know, know what you're going to get in that left side. Okay. we got to figure that out because it's going to be Kendrick or it's going to be Dotson. And then hopefully Dan Moore figures it out really in this game. It was, it was more to me about that left side specifically, I, you know, Dan, Dan Moore remains disaster mode. Um, pressures, sacks given up the holding calls, I mean, my goodness. So many times the play never even has a chance because it's he's beat off the line of scrimmage and then it's just, he just reverts right to like, well, I'm either holding them or, or Trubisky's getting crushed. Um, and it's not, you know, and again, it's it's a week to week basis with this. Now we got three preseason games in a row of Dan Moore just being incapable to the point where, look, it crossed my mind today as I was reviewing the tape. I know I said last week, you, you can't make a move here. You you can't go out there and like, okay, we're going to bench Dan Moore and put someone else in because you invested so much in this kid. Like you thought this was your guy. You didn't really bring in a whole lot of competition here, but at the end of the day, we're done with Kendrick green. Aren't we? Like the front office, I think the coaching staff, everybody's kind of like, yeah, no, Kendrick lost cause. Dotson's your starter. As long as he can stay healthy. And that's because Kendrick is, you know, I mean, you know, Kendrick is a lost cause. I mean, you, that's, that's a great way to describe his play on the field. Um, so is Dan Moore reaching Kendrick green levels of, yo, dude, like this guy's so bad at this point that I, I just can't, I can't even, I can't even hope for the upside because the downside is, is quite literally ruining the offense right now. I mean, again, we're not, this guy's going up against rookie, rookie, rookie. And I think they took Hutchinson out pretty early in this game and he was still struggling can you know, we're gonna you're talking about early on in the season. I mean, right off the top, they're facing Trey Hendrickson. We'll talk about that in the preview that we do, but I can tell you right now, I poor Pat Frymouth or Zach Gentry, whoever they're gonna put out there to, to chip every single play, because that's what it's gonna need to be. I mean, Dan's gonna need help on every play with Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson's one of the most underrated pass rushers in the league. Trey Hendrickson had the, the highest pressure rate, meaning the highest number of pressures per snap, per pass rush snap. Of any player in the AFC North more than Miles and more than TJ. You should, I, I, you know, you just know the Bengals are looking at that matchup, going, "Yeah, we got him here." And of course, now in in the Steelers' passing game, they're gonna have to leave a guy to chip. They're gonna have to leave leave a guy to help take away another take another away another receiving option for Trubisky. And then you're going up against secondary with Bates and William. You know, we'll talk about that when we get to the preview. But that's why this Dan Moore situation is so dire because it's not just going to be against the Trey Hendricksons of the world. Is we know he's going to struggle. Against your Henderson, it's against the kind of the middle of the road pass rushers that going to be they're going to be facing throughout this schedule that can potentially also make Dan Moore look foolish. So, it's not. I guess the the best thing I'll say about this offensive line coming out of this game is that it's to me it's it's well I don't want one game sample size, it but it's more of a Dan Moore problem than it is the rest of the line. I thought Mason Cole had a solid preseason throughout. Just uh, again, not a great player, but what do I always say about this offensive line? If they just had five dudes, just a guy. Right, not not great, but not terrible. They'd probably be fine, but they don't. You know, they don't even close to that. So we know we have an old quarter four on the right side. Daniels, I hope he builds on this. Uh, you know, I know it's one out of three games where he actually looked decent, and it was probably against the worst. Well, I don't know. The Seahawks are pretty bad, so I was gonna say the worst team, but boy, the Seahawks are pretty bad too. Um, You got Cole. I thought Dotson was Dotson. Okay, here's the best thing to say about Kevin Dotson. He's not Kendra Green. I won that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean Dotson's not a great player, but again they don't need they don't need greatness on this offensive line they just need dudes who can provide them anything so um yeah yeah it's a damn more problem right now for me on the offensive line we'll see how this goes against Seattle or against uh against Cincinnati one of their worst matchups by the way Cincinnati I mean, we'll talk more about it when we get there but on the inside you got DJ Reader one of the best inside players on the the defensive line in the entire league especially when it comes to run defense and then they got Trey Hendrickson as I said one of the most underrated pass rushers so yeah not great um all right Uh, on the offensive line I have the Steelers keeping nine here yeah I think keeping nine I think the reason why I had them keep nine is because I'm not first of all I'm not cutting Kendrick Green so I know people I've seen this out there you got to cut Kendrick Green I'm not ready to cut Kendrick just yet I don't think the Steelers are either although he had another one. He had another game against Detroit. That's, yo, are you are We sure you're an NFL player? But I'm keeping everybody here. I'm keeping Haig. He's my swing guy. I'm keeping Hassenauer because he's my backup center. He literally cannot go anywhere. And I'm keeping LeGlue because, quite honestly, at the end of the day, if anything happens to Dotson, I don't think they can cut LeGlue. I mean, you have to I – mean, again, is this a team that's really going to – if Kevin Dotson goes down with injury, which is very likely. He's gone down with injury every year of his career. Are we really going to put Kendrick Green back in? I mean, is the Steelers team really going to put Kendrick Green back in there? I can't do that. So I'm like, I'll keep him around because, you know, third-round pick and, you know, when was the last time this team cut a third-round pick going into the second year? But I got to keep LaGlue around because, look, had decent minutes last year in place of Green. I know he hasn't had a great preseason, but still, there's no way in hell I'm putting Kendrick Green out there as a starter again after what I've seen from him this entire preseason. No way. Um, all right. Let's go over to the defensive side. I'll leave this up here. I have seven. I've been keeping seven defensive linemen, and the reason why I've been keeping seven uh, is because I don't. Uh, well, it's it's not Montrevious Adams. I think Montrevious Adams is likely headed to. Uh, he's likely headed to IR again. I I, I worry about this. Well, Isaiah Ladak is hurt right now. I don't know how hurt he is, but who plays if Alo gets hurt? And again, I, I you know I know this is kind of the live in your fears podcast. All of a sudden. But the, is Laudermo going to be healthy enough that he could play minutes at nose in the case of Alu Alo going down? Because right now Montrevious Adams is that guy. But if Montrevious Adams is headed to IR, then Laudermo kind of steps up or, or what I think is probably more likely, because is banged up right now, Henry Mondo comes in. Henry Mondo keeps, you know, stays on the roster. As much as I don't like Henry Mondo, uh, he's been, you know, he's been getting all the reps as, as the nose. And I think he's he's the most likely of the candidates. We talk about the Davis Bros. Uh, I think I think Mondo is probably the most likely of the candidates to make the 53, only until Montrevious Adams can come back, right? So I think the the, the IR thing now is four weeks. Is that right? They changed it in the CBA. Uh, it's Four weeks. So this is a situation where Mondo has to come in for those first four weeks of the season. Otherwise, it's you know it's Hayward, it's Ogunjobi, it's Alu-Alu, it's Lial. Roder and Wormley. I thought Leal once again is a pass rusher man. Woo-hoo-hoo, I like I like it. He's not a great run defender, nor is Ogan Joby. I mean, this is a I'm kind of a broken record on this every week, but they put the same team out there, tape out there every week. Um, when it comes to the run defense, but when it comes to pass rush, both those guys, I mean, this this I'm excited. I know there's gonna be a lot of kind of hemming and hauling about this pass rush at the edge rush position. I think on the defensive line, Stewart's got a couple good ones here. They're certainly gonna be better on the D-line, interior of that defensive line, and, and from a pass rushing perspective than they were a year ago. Hayward's healthy. I mean, we saw what Hayward did, not just as a pass rusher, but you know his football intelligence of, of, of kind of reading a quarterback's eyes and batting the ball down. Awesome. Awesome. But Jovi and Leal are going to provide this team really good minutes as pass rushers on the inside. Um, and I'm excited about that. So those are my seven on, on the D line. At edge. It's not. <laughs> okay. TJ and Highsmith are locks. I think Tuska's a lock as well. And I think Hamilcar... Rashad, Rashad, however you pronounce it, is probably a lock as well. This is one position where the Steelers could go out and get somebody. Um, neither Tusco or Rashad was that was great. They've already cut – what was his name? Rondell Carter. Is that his name? The the edge rusher already. They cut him already. And then Scott – I don't know. Did Scott make a late push? I don't think it's enough. To I think these are your if, – if they don't go out and get anyone, I think these are your four. Watt, Highsmith, Rashad. Tuska. It is not a great room behind Water Highsmith. It just isn't. I mean, the I understand that the, the Lions have this kind of sneaky good offensive line. That was one, one of the talking points coming into this game. Um, uh, but Rashad and Tuska just, yeah, uh, they don't provide you any juice behind as far as as far as pass rush. Still shocking me to let go of Avery. I still think that was more about run defense. But it wasn't like Rashad or, or Tuska was great in run defense yesterday. I mean, I don't think did Rashad even register on the stat sheet. I don't think he did. <laughs> so yeah, the Steelers could easily go out and get someone. Oops, sorry. Uh, easily go out and get someone in free agency uh, after the 53 minute cuts are made tomorrow at linebacker. You see it here. Miles, Jack, Devin Bush, Robert Spillane are the obvious ones. Mark Robinson didn't have a great game in coverage yesterday. Got picked on certainly uh, on defense, but he had some great, uh, that great special teams tackle. Um, He's done enough. I think he's done enough that he's going to make this roster. I think there's there's enough on tape now to make you feel like, okay, he's not going to be the starter, but that was always a pipe dream. There's no way that he was going to take over for Devin, but he's done enough to, I think, to, to make the roster, be a core special teamer for a year and come back a year from now, when likely Devin's not even on this roster and potentially compete to be that starting inside linebacker alongside Miles Jack. Buddy Johnson's a hard one for me to keep. I don't think Buddy actually makes it. At the end of the day, I think he ends up getting cut. But right now, Marcus Allen is likely headed to IR. And so that's how Buddy ends up making it. Buddy, I think, will be cut. I mean, when the first cuts come out before they do the IR stuff, I'll be shocked. Shocked if Buddy Johnson is on that list. Because Buddy really hasn't done a whole lot. I liked what he did in that first preseason game, but since I mean, and he wouldn't even he didn't have a good game then. But I just felt like that was something he could build on as far as being in the right place. You just need to play with more aggression. Haven't seen that since then. Um now, going back, okay, let's talk about Devin Bush and Robert Spillane for a second. Let's 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 cut the 53 thing. And let's actually talk about the linebacker position themselves and, and kind of this is another position battle. Uh who's gonna start? I think Devin's gonna start. I think Devin was probably always gonna start. I've talked about this before. Spillane, Spillane and by the way, Splane didn't have a bad game yesterday. Um, but I I just think from a from a game planning perspective, I, I think Tomlin knows. If he were he if he were an opposing coach he would attack Robert Spillane right he's a liability out there um especially in pass coverage not to say Devin's great in those in those cases you know Devin think about Devin yesterday so I think he only gave up one catch yesterday and it was on the first play it was the what do you call it like a pivot route or like a fake in go out to Hawkinson. Think about Devin okay that's not necessarily a terrible play Devin has inside leverage right and the guy fakes in and goes out so it's hard for Devin to make a play the problem I have with – and, again, I don't know why I have this expectation of Devin still, but, like, you know, they drafted Devin Bush because on that play, the athleticism, that the the explosion that Devin Bush showed in college was the kind of player that had the makeup speed, that, that kind of – the burst to make plays even in, even in those situations, which, made, which what made him so exciting. It's what made this team want to trade up to number 10 in the draft to get him. He's just – you know, he's not that guy. Now, he made a great play on the fourth down. We all – you know, I, I did love – I don't know. Are they starting a statue in the front of the stadium? I mean, my goodness, the, <laughs> the, the celebration for Miles Jack making a play on fourth down. Oh, boy. It tells you where I mean, it, it was it was almost like it was so overpraised that it kind of told you, like, oh, yeah, this is where Devin is right now. One play in the preseason on fourth down. And, like, you know, the confetti's out. It's, um, I it was a good play. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to mock Devin or, you know, I'm just I, I'm trying to point out who Devin Bush is right now and and kind of where this, you know, where he is in his growth and development that finally it took three preseason games, but we finally got a Devin Bush, like play, an aggressive play off the edge, attack the football. Now I, I mean, I know I'm going to sound like such a Devin hater here, but technically speaking, Miles Jack delivered the boom, which probably stopped them from getting the first down. Potentially Devin, the guy would have dragged Devin for the first, you know, I don't know. but regardless, good play, good play from Devin. I think he, I think he ends up winning the starting job. Like he'll, he'll be that guy uh, alongside. Splain's had a good, Spillane's had a good camp, a good preseason. Um, and he did everything he could to try and win this job. It's just you know, at the end of the day, there's more potential. You know, at the end of the day, we're kind of capped out of what Spillane's going to be. Everybody knows what that is you know, everybody's kind of living on the prayer, right? It's, it's why everyone, I mean, Devin's going to win the job because of how excited everyone was about that one play, which is like, Oh, wait, you know, where everyone's like, Oh, Oh, was that? Is he back? <laughs> no. So anyway, so yeah, so let's just keep five at linebacker miles, Devin, Spillane, Johnson, Robinson. Uh, I don't think Johnson is long for the roster, but as long as Marcus Allen's hurt, he will be. Uh, and then at corner, you know, I'll put this back up, but it's, it's, nothing to say about corner either witherspoon sutton wallace pierre mallet those are your five i don't know what's happening with mallet though he might be another ir candidate he hasn't practiced in a while hasn't played so i'm not sure that if mallet if mallet has to go to ir i guess chris Steele makes it but then i don't know who the steelers would put in the slot i guess trey norwood would kind of bump down into the slot in that situation. Yeah. It'd be an interesting one if, if couldn't play because he, you know, at the end of the day, there'll be cam Sutton and cam Sutton only to play in the nickel. Um, but anyway, regardless, I I think, I think the Steelers are, as I've said before, it's probably the most underrated room on this defense. I know a lot of Steelers fans up in arms about this, about this corner room. They don't have a CB one. I think Witherspoon has been really good in the preseason. Hope he can continue that into the regular season. I have been just so pleasantly surprised. I don't know why I am because he was such a solid player in Buffalo, but, Regardless, you know, I, I just get too I, – I guess I get too worried about this whole 4-6 speed with with Levi, but he is such an instinctual player out there. Um, I, I like Levi Wallace a lot. He had great run support yesterday. You know, Cam is Cam. Pierre's had a decent camp, uh, decent preseason. I, I think he's a lock to make it over Justin Lane. Justin Lane's not going to make this roster in all likelihood. Uh, Platel had surgery, so he's not a candidate whatsoever. The only other guy I think is Chris Steele that could even make it here. But again, I like that top three. I, I like Witherspoon, Sutton, Wallace. You know, obviously Norwood will come in in the dime. Norwood could potentially come in in some nickel situations, potentially if, if there is an injury. Um, so I, I think this corner room is probably a, a little underrated. I understand they don't have CB1. But when you think about how the Steelers play defense, you know, this is this is not a situation where they're going to have a kilo. You know, he's not, he's not going to follow Jamar in week one. They're gonna do the same thing they do all the time, which is they're gonna try and roll coverage to one side, take away what they what Tomlin perceives as your best option, and then you know they're gonna say, Hey, listen, if you got other guys that can beat us, cool, like do it that way. It's the same thing they've done for years. Um, and they did it, they did it really well last year. I mean, you look at their DVOA numbers, football outsiders in their DVOA charts this how well you do from their DVOA against wide receiver ones. The sewers were the fifth best team in the league last year, and that was with a Joe Hayden who's out of football now. You know, and again, and then um came on the outside, Kim going inside, and then it was Pierre, it was Lane at one point, and then Witherspoon didn't get in until his last six games. So, um, yeah, I think it will be interesting to see how they match up in week one, but we'll talk more about how this corner room and how the secondary matches up with with that team particularly uh here in a week or so. And then safety, I have the keeping four. Uh Obviously, the Demonte Casey thing is is a really tough one. He was a lock to make this roster. He was not just a lock to make the roster. They had, like, packages for him that they were going to, you know, the three safety sets that they were going to run. In fact, I was kind of war- I-, I was kind of wondering if potentially we would see less Edmonds la- next week and see more too high with Casey and Fitzpatrick on the field at the same time to try and take away the big play and make Burrow in that offense kind of beat them with underneath stuff. You know, I- they could still employ that with Edmonds, I think they would probably be more comfortable doing that with Casey. Casey's out now. He, he hurt his wrist slash arm. He's on IR. He had, you know, he's going to have the surgery. Not, not sure how long he's going to be out. Um, so the interesting thing here with safety is do they keep four or five? I, again, I ended up keeping an extra old, an extra O lineman, that ninth O lineman, which meant that I had to cut somewhere else. And where I cut was here at safety. I did not have miles Killebrew making this roster. I do though have Elijah Riley making this roster. He's a the guy that picked up off waivers thought he had a, you know, again, plus performance at the end. Tomlin loves the guy who goes out there and wins the job real late. I think if there's one guy who you're going to look at yesterday's performance and say, ooh, did he just win a job? I think it would have to be Riley because the spot came open because of Casey's injury and Riley had such a good game. Um, regardless, I mean, you know, Riley is not someone who I think is going to ever see the field in the regular season. Let's not, let's not. He's like the 53rd guy on the roster. Uh, this is going to be a Minka Edmonds Norwood show. And potentially, I think the stewards could go out and get another safety. You know, if they really value this third three safety set, I see, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter today kind of going off on the idea that um, they have to get another safety now because they want this three safety set. I mean, I, Again, I don't know if they're going to just find another DeMonte Casey off the street right now. You know, Casey was a really good signing for this team. He played really well throughout. They really trusted him. I don't know that, you know, Tomlin was talks about the moving train. This, this season is gone. right? I mean, the, you know, the preseason is gone. We're going into the regular season. They get a guy now. Are they going to feel like going up against Cincinnati that they're ready to put whoever they sign? You know, whether it is like, you know, they get Tony Jefferson or, you know, one of these guys that just got cut today or tomorrow. They're really going to feel like, oh, we're, this is an immediate thing. If they're going to put him out there right there on those three sets. I, I just, I'm not sure of it. And then special teams, obviously Boswell, Harvin, Christian Kutz is your long snapper. That is the 53. Get to uh get to your comments here. Scroll back up to the top. um Maurice surprised that I had Benny Snell making the roster. Yeah, I have Benny Snell making the roster. I think I think look, I think Benny has done enough to make the roster as not only as a special teamer. You know, he's look he's been he's been RB two in this system for a while, um, and so I've talked about this before. You know, if you're if Warren is if Warren won the job for RB two, which I think Warren definitely won the job. I mean, is there anyone out there who thinks Anthony McFarland's a better running back in an RB two type situation? And uh, there's not, right? I mean, Warren is clearly RB two, so RB three is probably not going to get a whole lot of looks. At the end of the day, RB three probably needs to provide you some other things on the roster. He needs to do something else. That's going to be Benny Snell as a special teamer. So. I ha- oh, you know I should point this out because I think it was, was it Nick Fariboff said this? He could see McFarlane making it as the return guy, the kick returner. That's interesting. That's really interesting, actually, because isn't Gunner the kick returner? So I'm going to keep in mind. Um, Jedi here says, I don't care who's quarterback. I just want them all to do good so we can win. I think it's going to be Trubisky, uh, but yeah. I mean, I think at the at the end of the day, the Steelers have a good problem, which is that they have to pick between two quarterbacks in Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, who had really good. Uh, he had they had really good camps. I mean, they had really good preseasons. You know, and, and as I said, it's kind of a Rorschach test. If you came in thinking that was Kenny Pickett already, you wouldn't. You were leaving that game thinking it was Kenny. Uh, look, I, I we'll point this out again. No quarterback in this offense threw an interception all pre all all, all preseason. They kind of pushed one another at the end, you know? They didn't have to pick a quarterback by default. It wasn't that one guy faltered, and so it's like, all right, well, we have to go with this guy. Both guys, at the end of the day, Kenny and and Mitch, were playing very good football by the end. They were pushing each other. As much as I don't think it was a battle, I don't think Tomlin actually considered it a battle, the fact that Tomlin kept saying it's a battle, Kenny kept playing well, they ended up pushing each other at the end. I like how it played out. At the end of the day, the process here, I think, played out the right way. Which is that even though even though, even though, though it wasn't really a battle and Tomlin probably had this decided from the word go, he kept saying it was a battle. It played out that way on the field. Stewards have a hard decision to make. All right. We'll go. We'll go. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I know there's, there's like 20, 20, uh, 22 people here. I did ask this earlier. If you, if you weren't there, I want to know this Kenny Pickett's throw to Miles Boykin, underthrown. Or back shoulder, underthrown, or back shoulder. I thought it was underthrown live. I'll be honest with you. Call me a hater. I said uh, that was probably underthrown. Now I've seen more replays. I've seen people break it down. Might have been back shoulder. Here's why. I, again, I've said this. I said this earlier, so I apologize if I'm re- repeating myself here. The reason why I don't think it was back shoulder is because I thought Miles did a pretty good job of stacking the, the defender. And if if Kenny puts that out there. Maybe he goes, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a touchdown. Um, but we have some of you guys. And by the way, I kind of love it. If it, by the way, if that was an under throw, I also love it because Kenny's worst throw is a perfect pass. <laughs> even when Kenny, even when Kenny misses a deep ball, it's just, it just turns into a beautiful back shoulder. I uh, got a couple people here. Amos saying it's back shoulder. Ali says it's back shoulder. Um, all right, so you guys are saying back shoulder. Let's see if we got anybody else here saying back shoulder. Uh, we got back shoulders in the chat, but I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird back shoulder throw. I'll say that. It's a great great throw. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, you know. If it was back shoulder, great throw. Probably could have let him. Uh, Ali says, felt like McFarlane passed Benny up on the depth chart. Wish we could cut bait with Watt. Yeah, Derek Watt's another one of those kind of every Steeler fan wants him gone. But. He's not going anywhere. I mean, once again, course, but you know, we look in my roster. I did cut a core special teamer. We did cut. I mean, well, we, I cut miles Killebrew at the end of the day, keeping Benny, keeping Derek. And then we cut, um, cut miles Killebrew. Cause I think Jalen Warren's going to give you good minutes as a special teamer. I think, I think, I think, um, uh, Mark Robinson has shown he can be, he can be a good special teamer. Again, the nice thing about this draft class and this undrafted class is, is that they've shown enough as a core special teamer uh that that they can or as, just that on their special teams alone that they could potentially take over for some of these guys who really only have special team um uh John here says Calvin goes to IR, what happens and he becomes healthy? When he becomes healthy, you cut one of Boykin or Sims. Sims has been the punt returner. I think it's I think at the end of the day Gunner is going to take both those spots in the regular season. And one of Boykin and Sims is going to be inactive. Boykin's a good gunner. Again, and that's another thing. You know, I mean, like we talk about these core special teamers that you need, but Boykin has been a good gunner throughout the entire preseason. We know James Pierre has been a a gunner for this team for a while. Um, He was doing that two years ago. It's part of the reason why I started the hype trade. So, you know, in all likelihood, if Boykin continues to be a quality special teamer, then when Austin's healthy, you're cutting Sims. I like Sims. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about these kind of, these, you know, the 52nd, 53rd guy on the roster, the back end of these rooms, they're not likely to see the field unless there's major injury. And so you, you have to provide, you have to provide value on special teams. Boykin does that. Um, you know, Mark Robinson does that. Derek Watt, Jalen Warren, Benny Snell. Ali says Claypool had two separate shoulder injuries. Yeah, I don't know about now. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure what the injury is now it's just it's not great because this could have been a big year for for claypool i mean i know i'm not his biggest fan at all i'm probably the biggest hater if we're being honest um but i thought he could have been in for a big year in the slot not gonna do that from the bench though uh oh, we got a couple comments here on dan Moore. miss yay in the chat appreciate you, appreciate you miss yay says it's Dan Moore on the offensive line. He's regressed. He has. He has regressed. And look, he struggled with this last year. You know, part of the thing with the offensive line is they hadn't done this in a while. You know, they're a little rusty out there. In the Pass protecting for more than two seconds? Who does that? Uh, so, yeah, you know, it was, it was always going to be the big question with this offensive line, which is, okay, what happens when you have a quarterback who doesn't just, you know, when it isn't just bang, 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 bang. When you got a quarterback like Trubisky, I apologize if... uh for those of you who are listening to this on audio and you just got the, the messenger chime, that was me. Don't think your messenger just went off. That was me. Um where was I? Oh, the pass protection. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, it was a big question mark going into the season in general, which is you have a guy like Trubisky who's not who's gonna get rid who's not gonna get rid of the ball, he's gonna hold the ball a little longer. Can this can this team, can this O line hold up in those situations? Um so far, no, but mostly the answer the no is Dan Moore. Um, because we, you know, kind of after Tomlin gets into everybody, you know, Tomlin and the the offensive line coach and everybody, again, this is a big week for the coaching staff trying to to teach things. This is a, a dress rehearsal game. At the end of the day, the only old lineman I come away really disappointed with is Dan Moore. Um, so you know, I guess you can say like arrow pointing up for the offensive line. I mean, it's so bad, but yeah. Um Ali, Tony, was Dan Moore looking bad at camp, or did he also start when the lights came on, thought he was solid last year? He was solid last year, and I thought Dan Moore put up some of his best games at the end of last season. That's why so many people were hyped about him. Remember, Ben Roethlisberger at the end, at the end, one of his last things he said before, I think it was like maybe right after he retired or before he retired, he said, you know, they got a good one in Dan Moore. Dan Moore's going to be around here for a while. And I, and I thought he was right. I mean, I, I looked at some of the tape at the end of last season. It's like, yo, this, yeah, this kid, like the light bulb came on and he's not perfect. But, you know, that's the end of year one. You start to build on it year two, make a little bit of a leap. Maybe they do have a, a, a quality left tackle. As far as what he did at camp, man, the hype for him and him at camp was crazy. Now, we know why. You know, look, TJ plays on the right side. So he plays up against Chukes every day. Think about who Dan Moore was going up against in camp. Highsmith was hurt for a while. Think about, and, and so was Avery. So think about who Dan Moore was going up against in camp. Dan Moore had a great camp. Great. With a capital G. I mean, you can go back and read the articles. Everybody was talking about it. Nick Farabaugh did, did an article on it. I know that. I think Chris did a whole podcast on it. I was saying it. Everybody was saying it. It was true. He was having a great camp. <laughs> Just so happens he was going up against edge rushers who can't play. <laughs> so, Ye um, says or Ramon Foster said that Dan Moore is going to make his QB one dimensional or horizontal. Love that. <laughs> Dan Moore only has a few games where boys replaced. Yeah, that's my thing. Is is I think we're we're rapidly approaching a place with Dan Moore where you kind of have to go in a different direction. The, the question is, what direction? Is it Joe Hague like is it I don't know. I mean at least with with the with the Kendra Green situation they have dots in there another young player where they're like okay well maybe they can just go there. You know, you replace Dan Moore with with Joe Haig, and you have no future at that position. Right? You're just like, well, in next year's draft, we have to get a left tackle. Next year free agency, we have to get a left tackle. Cuz there's no chance you put Dan Moore on the bench. You are basically giving zero chance to him ever that light bulb that you saw at the end of last season that's never coming back on again so I do think it'd be a big I think it would be a big um step for Tomlin to say no I'm 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 benching this kid it's tough but it's we're rapidly getting to that place you know because it's it's a situation now where teams are going to be attacking him and and Canada is going to have to game plan around Dan Moore that's never a situation you want to be in offensively, where it doesn't matter who Dan Moore's going up against, we always have to give him a chip. We always have to give him help over there because we just cannot, we have to roll right. Because we just cannot trust that he can that he can hold his own in any sort of one-on-one. And again, I'm I know we're gonna have to chip against Hendrickson. You probably are always gonna have to because Hendrickson's that good. You're gonna have to do that against Miles Garrett. Fine. When we start going up against the more mediocre guys this team faces. Maybe, maybe this pass rushing class that came in. Was just unbelievably great, but like Dan Moore struggled against Boye Mafe, Trayvon Walker, and Aiden Hutchinson, and then their backups. I don't even know their names. So, state of the Steelers here says we need another. We need to get another outside linebacker, edge rusher. I think that's that's you know that and safety is potentially on the table and offensive line. You know, I'm trying to think of what what positions could could they go out and, and sign tomorrow? I, I, outside line. I mean, yeah, edge rusher is. Is number one on the list, but again, they had Avery here. They had Avery. They let him go. So I mean, before we start talking about who they're going to go pick up at the edge rusher, I'd like to get more clarity on like what exactly happened with Avery. Was it was it a situation we've we, we've heard this rumor a couple times that a couple people tell it to me where they say no no that was a personnel thing, you know Avery got into it with Tomlin so that's why he had to get cut. Okay, if that's the case, and yeah, they're going to pick up an edge rusher tomorrow. But if they actually cut him for play on the field, well, then, as I said before, I just don't think they—they're not—they're valuing more the run defense than they are the edge rush stuff. Because from a pressure situation, from a pass rush win rate pr- perspective, Avery was good. He just didn't do a great job of run defense. He did do a great job of contain. Um. Missier says I must have missed it. What happened to Marcus Allen? uh Marcus Allen is hurt oh what is it uh ankle sprain Gro- uh, groin Ugh, forget uh, Marcus Allen injury let's look it up um hamstring hammy for Marcus yeah so not sure he's gonna be it would make it back uh Missier says stop being a hater impossible I'm, I believe this is probably when I was going on my rant about Devin. I, I couldn't help myself but sound like a hater there. I couldn't. It's like in my blood in those cases where I have to kind of be a little bit counter to the narrative. Because, I mean, I just thought it was a little over the top to celebrate. I liked it. I, I tweeted it. I liked the Devin Bush play. I tweeted it too. But then it's like, Devin Bush made an unbelievable play. This is exactly what you want to see on Devin. It's like, all right, that was one play, guys. And, like, Miles made a good play too. Let's not – I don't know. I'm a hater. I'm a hater. What can I say? I'm a hater. That's what I... <laughs> uh, Humberto says, Devin will play better than last year, but won't be great. Hey, that's fine. As I've said, they don't need him to be great anymore. You know, the expectation level that he's going to live up to his draft status, I'm, that's out the window. Gone. Just be a guy who next to Miles Jack isn't a major liability. Miles Jack's going to be a playmaker. Every time I watch Miles Jack on defense, there's a big smile on my face. As I've said this before on this show, but if you haven't heard I'll say it again. The NFL made a real mistake letting the Steelers, the AFC North, made a real mistake letting the Steelers get Miles Jack because this team at inside linebacker should be a disaster. Disaster at inside linebacker. This team should have to be starting the, the position battle here should be Devin Bush and Robert Spillane, and those are your starters, and maybe they have to work Mark Robinson in. That's what, that's what would have been the case if they didn't get Miles Jack that, you know, and that, and and it's, it's kind of, it's built on the idea that like Devin didn't live up to his draft potential at all. You traded up to get him, you traded assets away to get him. And then you're, you know, you're kind of stuck with him as a starter and you don't really have anyone to put alongside him. I mean, again, this, uh, this linebacker crew would be a disaster. Buddy Johnson from a year ago, like, you you know, it's, they're so lucky they got Miles Jack. So a great signing. Great signing. He is. He is going to kind of single-handedly solidify that room into something that I think every single fan is going to be relatively happy with. You know, I'm not I'm not saying we, we had that whole space the other day for any of you there were there. Maybe one of you were maybe one of you were the one that said it. Someone in that space has said that Miles Jack is the best inside linebacker in the AFC North. As I said, I'll say it again. I said it on during the show. Too early to say that, but you might not be wrong. Too early to say that, which you might not be wrong. Um, let's see. State of the Steelers says, do you think Mason Cole is a long-term answer at center? No, 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 but he's exactly what the Steelers need right now, which is just solidify that position. They had huge holes to fill left guard, you know, with, with what was going to happen with Dotson right guard after Trey Turner left. So they just, yeah, you know, they couldn't play. They couldn't do the Kendrick Green thing again. And thank goodness they didn't. Um. So, he's exactly what they need, which is just a just a solid dude. What would they get him on? A one year deal, two year deal? Must have been a two year deal, right, for Mason Cole. So he'll be here in the in the short term. um Messier says, I do think they do better in up tempo offense. They, yeah, I, this offense. When it's, well, I think, you know, in, in those situations, as long as they're not, I think this offense is going to be fine as long as it doesn't put itself behind the chains. I think the offense will be better this year as long as they're not, as long as they're not shooting themselves in the foot. As long as this team can avoid major negativity on offense, I think they'll, they're going to be a fine offense. I mean, I, I could see them being a top 20, I don't know if I go top 15, but like a top 20 ish offense. I don't know where they were last year in Football Outsiders or an EPA. I guess I could look it up real quick. What the hay? Um, But I could easily see them getting there. I think Trubisky gives them a little more juice down the field, as does a guy like George Pickens. We haven't even seen Calvin Austin just yet. I think they got a better RB2 situation, so they can, they can rest Najee in those cases. I could see that happening as long as on the offensive line and Trubisky specifically doesn't put this team behind the chains all the time. As long as Trubisky is able to be mobile enough to avoid the big sacks, the offensive line avoids big penalties. Trubisky avoids big interception. You know, Canada's going to get this team in, in a lot of situations where it's it's manufacturing yards, right? You've seen that even in the preseason. And, again, we're seeing the very vanilla stuff so far. You're going to see a lot of, like, the end around stuff. You know, you're going to see a lot of the, the jet sweeps and all of that. Full pop pass. Ways just kind of manufacture yards. Keep the chains moving. The success rate stuff I was talking about uh, a year ago. But this team's going to be – I mean, it, it, it's – all the kind of holding penalties, illegal formations, right? It's it's you know it's not only is it negativity, but it's generally taking away from what was a positive play. And so, and you know, I just kind of it, it builds on itself. This offense is not going to be good enough to win. It wasn't a year ago, and even even if it is better this year, it's still not going to be good enough to win in those spots. So I'm looking up uh, Football Outsiders and their DVOA stats now, but uh, we'll move on here. R.S. says, are you not going to pick up a tackle from the 53 cutdown? I mean, I'm not because I would only do that if I was going to start. I have a good tackle. I like Joe Haig enough that in in a pinch he can come in and and play. I would pick up a tackle if I felt like he could play for Dan Moore. But are they going to, you know, is there a starting caliber left tackle out there? I've seen like the Tevin Jenkins stuff. I liked Tevin Jenkins a year ago. Tevin Jenkins has massive back issues. Um, Alex Leatherwood. I mean, there's no way you (laughs) play. Leatherwood can't make it as a guard, so there's no way he's playing. Yeah, I just don't know that there's a guy out there right now. I don't know if there's a guy to be cut. That's good enough. As bad as Dan Moore has been, that's good enough where you say, this guy I I think can start for me right now. If You're going to start – at the end of the day, if you're not happy with Dan Moore and you want to start someone else, it's Joe Haig at this point. I think that's kind of the unfortunate reality of the situation. So there's just not enough good offensive linemen to go around. So I don't think that another team's going to make the mistake of cutting someone that is good enough to start. And even, and you know, again, all it needs to be is an upgrade over Dan Moore, which isn't much, but that guy on the roster right now is Joe Hague. If you wanted it to be, Oh, I like this one. You know, you guys know I'm a gambler. Would I wear a Browns jersey if Devin Bush became MVP of the Steelers? Yeah. In a second, name the player, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, whatever you want it to be. If Devin Bush is defensive MVP for this team, I will whatever you want. You want only wear. I'll, I'll I'll wear a Bengals jersey one day, a Ravens the next, and a Browns the next. <laughs> I'll do whatever whatever it takes for Devin Bush to turn his career around and become defensive MVP. Absolutely. I went on that big rant last week. I don't care about being wrong. I care about the Steelers winning. I want the Steelers to win football games. If this helps me win football games, yeah, yes. If this helps the Steelers win. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Shane says Bush makes the team only because Steelers traded up to ten, not because he deserves it. All right, we'll go. We'll start with that, and then we'll get to the second one. I don't know that that's true. I think he is a top four linebacker on this team, no doubt in my mind. Actually, yeah, yeah. He, he deserves like he's a better player than Buddy Johnson right now. He's a better player than Marcus Allen. He's even a better player than Mark Robinson right now. He is. The thing with Devin. I think Devin's getting too bad a rap when it comes to like right place, right time stuff, you know, instinctual stuff. He's just not the the aggression stuff, all the talk about like Devin Bush needs to be more aggressive. Devin Bush avoids contact. Devin Bush doesn't want to get hit. Devin but you know, that kind of thing. That's the truth. I mean that 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 to me is is far more true than the like Devin Bush can't play. He's not a, you know, he's just he's you know, he's a complete liability out there. Like Dumbusch's liability because yeah because he doesn't throw his body around and he you know he he has no idea how to use his hands to keep linemen off him so that he can uh, so that he can make a play on the ball it's just you know that stuff he's allergic to. But you know he's he's not like an outright disaster of a football player. He's a disaster as a number ten overall pick. I will agree with you on. Now the player you are now Shane. The player you are talking about, though, the player that is only going to make the roster because of his draft status, Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green should be cut. There's no doubt in my mind. That's another one where, like, I'll make a bet if Kendrick Green ever turned his career around, I'll, you know, whatever you want me, whatever you want. Because that guy should not be on an NFL roster. No way, shape, or form. No. That guy is going to get kept because he was a third-round draft pick. And the Steelers don't cut third-round draft picks going into their second year. He should be. He should not make this roster, but he will. Um, Don here, Ravens fan, says a couple good players the Ravens may cut to get to 53. Geno Stone. Man, I remember when Geno Stone got drafted. Fun story about Geno Stone. For those of you who don't watch day three of the draft, like I do, when they drafted Geno Stone, when the Ravens drafted Geno Stone, you would have thought this they just drafted a future Hall of Famer. I mean, the the amount of people just talking about what a great player he was. It's, it's very silly. <laughs> anyway, uh good year uh, second tier s- strong safety. The Steelers don't need a strong, they really need another free, but um good special team guy, our Darius Washington, a free safety that can play slot in spots. Yeah, I mean I'm I mean, I'm intrigued to see how the Steelers handle this KZ thing. I talked about this a little bit earlier on the show, but Feels to me like we're just we're just kind of penciling in. Oh, they need a safety now because KZ got hurt, but I don't think people are factoring in how good KZ was and how hard that's going to be to replace. At this point, KZ was an obvious fifty-three man roster lock. Lock. So you're going to bring in a guy who can't make another roster to replace that. I just don't think I don't. I think this probably changes their plans schematically and defensively more than it changes their plans of hey we need to go out and get someone. I mean maybe they they feel like they need to get someone. Because they don't want Elijah Riley on the roster, like, and they just need another body in there. But as far as replacing what KZ meant to this defense, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. In the maybe I'm wrong, but I, I hope I'm wrong actually. But I just I, I don't see that. Um, hoping Dan will learn to protect the left side to be more aggressive toward defensive backs instead of letting them make first contact and then reacting rather than being proactive. His hand usage is awful. Dan Moore's hand usage is awful 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 I mean he just you know he's had this problem where you know his back pedals is bad and he doesn't he doesn't anchor well you know and he just kind of his first punch it's like it's a nut it's just you know it's like wee, kid glove stuff and then the, you know and, and you've seen it I mean how many times on tape does he try to get that that first punch and then it's just oh 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 and I gotta hook him no well, it's hook time uh, I don't know what to say about him because it wasn't like he put a ton of this on tape last year. Um, but man, he has been consistently bad this preseason. There's no doubt about that. And as I said before, it's not even against like elite edge rushers or guys who have been around. I mean, these are three rookies. And I get, okay, two of them were top picks. And mouth, Mafe was maybe an underrated prospect. But even still, I mean, are we expecting that Trevon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson are going to end this year as, you know, two of the, you know, even upper echelon pass rushers already. Dan Moore's facing a lot better talent than that this year. A lot better talent. All right, last one. We're way over an hour now. Robert, when is the next AFC North Talk show? Great question. I think it's Wednesday this week. I think we're doing Wednesday. Um, We are talking safeties this week on AFC North Talk. So for those of you who don't know... um, I do another show here on YouTube called AFC North Talk. It is a roundtable show all about the AFC North. We do two shows a week during the during the regular season. We'll do a preview show and a week review show. Where we uh, recap all of the games. A lot of fun. I have a lot of fun doing that show. It's great to get that outside perspective. Again, I think so much of because of the way it, it, it is now where, where every fan can kind of get, not only can you get so many opinions about your team, But you can find someone who just you agree with all the time. And so you just go to that person. It's like, oh, that person I agree with all the time. I like their takes. So I just want to hear someone who I agree with all the time. I mean, it's a natural thing that we do. What I liked about AFC North Talk is here I am on a show with three people who I could not disagree with more. But I respect their takes because no one's going to tell you how it is more than your biggest rivals. right? The people that are watching you all the time and, and just hate, they hate everything about you know, the my three co the three coasts on ASC North talk hate the Steelers more than anything in the world. I mean, it's very it's very hard for any of them to say anything nice about the Steelers on a weekly basis. Which is why I love doing the show because you got to you know you get it out of there. The Steelers listen, still good, still winning football team. Even though they just continue to predict the, the Steelers to be a six win team year after year. So I love doing that show. It's a lot of fun, and again, you get a nice outside perspective of you know occasionally it just you know it 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 derails into you know, memes and, and all that. Um, and you know, arguments that are circular for sure. It's a, you know, it's, it's a typical show like that, but it's a lot of fun because, you know, I, I like the kind of outside perspective that we get on that show. And it has taught, you know, for just from my own personal thing, I, I like it. Cause it's, I, I kind of now in more, much more intricately know the Ravens and their inner workings and the Bengals and their inner workings and the Browns and it makes the matchups between those two teams for me much more interesting. Right. Because for, you know, for the Bengals, a guy like, you know, well, I won't I won't bring up Logan Wilson. Um, but like uh who's a good example of this on there? Von Bell. You know, Von Bell to probably just see the fans, like, yeah, whatever, he's their strong safety. But like to me, it's like, I know I understand what Von brings that defense, the value that he has, or a guy like Trey Flowers and what he did for that team a year ago, right? And and how valuable that pickup was for them as far as his ability as kind of this big corner safety type who could play against uh, the bigger receivers slash tight ends that they faced at the end of last season. Um, it's cool. It's a fun show, so you check it out. Oh, um, no, I'm not actually. You, you, can't, you can't insult them. I was going to say, you know, was gonna, you're, you're praising me there, but then you're, you're dissing my co-host. Can't do that. Can't do that. Love all my guys on AFC North Talk. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you all for watching and listening again. If you watch this on YouTube, but you'd rather have it, As an audio show, head on over wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe to Steeler Country with Tony Spirino over there. And if you're listening to this on podcast form and you think, hey, I'd rather watch this live, head on over to YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Like the video. Uh, You can find me here on YouTube where I am live. Weekdays, it's hard for me to pick a schedule here. We'll probably get into a better routine as the regular season starts, but usually streaming between 5 or 6 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for watching. I'll be back later on this week, probably to recap the 53 and then start talking about my season predictions for this Steeler team right here on Steeler Country.